You're listening to the Play, Teach, Talk podcast. I'm Tiffany Thompson, a speech pathologist with over 20 years of expertise in working with children under three years of age and their families to help them understand language and communicate better. My specialty is in working with emerging communicators with few or no true words to reduce their frustration, help them interact and play with their peers and family, and to learn to truly enjoy the back and forth of functional communication throughout their daily routines. This podcast is not intended to diagnose speech-language disorders, but is more of a general set of suggestions for children who are experiencing delays in their language skills. For recommendations or therapy specific to your child's needs, consultation or evaluation with a licensed speech-language pathologist in your city is highly suggested. You're listening to Play, Teach, Talk, and this is episode number five. 10 reasons why your child might not be talking. So today we're going to get a little more into reasons why your child might not be using words or might not be using as many as you would expect them to. Uh, Usually children will start to make their first uh, consonant and vowel sounds somewhere around like seven or eight months, um, and then they make more complicated ones as they get closer to 12 months when they make their first words. Usually it's somewhere between about nine and 12 months. So what you'll hear first are those kind of guttural back of the mouth sounds, uh, and then you'll hear vowel sounds, ooh, ah, those kind of sounds. And then you start to hear consonants and vowels together in a string making the same one. So ba 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 da da. That's where we hear our da-da and our mama. And then what you hear is a switching up of those consonant and vowel combinations so that there are different consonants or different different vowels. And that's why first words are things like baby or apple, because those are different combinations across a couple of syllables. So our first words start usually around 12 months, nine to 12 months. And then we start to see a slow increase between like 12 and 18, and then kind of an explosion after 18 months. Usually once you hit around two years old to three years old, you're looking at somewhere between 200 and 500 words in the vocabulary of a a typically developing young child. So what are the reasons why a child that age is not talking? So I I wrote out about 10 things. The first one would be uh, children are efficient first. So basically, most kids that are understanding the directions and requests you're giving them throughout the day, they seem to be following through with those directions, and they're generally want to follow your lead and do things with you. If they're not talking, it may be just that if they're using a gesture and they can get the object that they want or the thing they want, that's efficient. And so they don't really see why it would be worth it to use a word over using that gesture because the gesture works very well. (laughs) So why? Why would I do that? Why would I do something different? Another one would be that you're anticipating their needs before they even need to ask you using a word or a sign or anything like that. So, and it kind of goes against the nature of what we're taught to do as caregivers for younger children. If they run out of their snack, you give them more. If they run out of their juice, you give them more juice. And a lot of times we learn to anticipate those needs before kids actually notice that they need or want something. One way to test that would be just to give a couple of crackers to your child when it's a snack time, or to give a couple of sips worth of juice in a cup and to see if they noticed Take that little extra time, that pause, 
to see if your child actually notices. And then if they do, how do they communicate with you? Hey, mom, I need some more snack or I want some more juice. Number three, they haven't figured out the power of words yet. So this goes back to that efficient child. Sometimes they just want things fast. Sometimes they just don't understand that instead of having to point to six different things when they want a snack, that they could just say uh, strawberry or they could say chips or they could say veggie straws, you know, if they knew that they could say those words to get what they wanted or get somewhere close to saying those words when they say them. So in a lot of cases, it's just that the child hasn't figured out yet that using that word or even trying to get close to that word is going to be way quicker for them to get the things they want and need, especially if they're going to have to go through a list of choosing from a bunch of options. Number four, their older sibling is meeting their needs for them. So a lot of us see younger kids, the younger siblings who have an older brother or sister who's just gotten into the habit of being the one who talks for the baby in the family. They, they get used to caretaking. They get used to giving the cup over to their younger brother or sister. And so the younger one gets a message pretty early on that, you know, they, they can go to the older brother or sister and get the things they want or need. And they might not necessarily have to talk. Um, and one thing that it, my, my little sister would tell you too, I was the performer. I was the older sister and she wasn't so interested in getting the praise or the, or the, um, cheers or clapping from my parents as I was. So she uh, kind of held out on them and she knew how to read for a few years. And it wasn't until she decided it was time to show them um, that she could read, that she did it. And um, so I think that's that sometimes can be a younger uh, brother or sister kind of thing to just not really need the praise uh, from a parent uh, and just to not feel like they have to perform on command. So number five, environment encourages the independence, but not the interaction. So this is when I see a lot too these days is that I, I go into houses and instead of toys being in a toy box or in a bin or up in a closet somewhere, they're all set out on a table at a child's level, which is lovely. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do for your child because what it does is it lets your child be able to see and have access to all of their toys. And I think that is a wonderful thing in most cases for kids who don't have language delays. But I'd like you to consider, if your child is not using words right now, an option for a temporary re-engineering of your home environment and maybe putting those toys into some bins that the child can't see through or in a closet or put them somewhere where the child is going to have to ask you for the toys that they want rather than just having them at their access all the time. Because having toys available to play with at all times does not create any sort of need for them to communicate with you. Same thing with like when you have... Um, two or three different cups that are available and sitting on low tables that they can get to at any time. It's nice to have that option. However, if if you want to temporarily put them up somewhere so that when the child wants water, they can ask you for that water or reach toward it and look to you, that might be a way to push them to use just a little more language than if you just had that readily accessible for them at any time. 
And you can think about that with any um, any toys, any objects, anything that you want to encourage requests for. Even outside, if they go over to the door and they stand by the door or looking at the door, asking them what they want. You know, act like you don't know what they actually want, even if you're very sure of what they want, and ask them what they want want to do or where they want to go. Number six, they communicate very well using their facial expressions, the tone of their voice, and gestures. So some kids, not, not most kids, but there are definitely some kids that I work with that have developed a very complex system that has no words in it, but you can tell what they're trying to communicate using every other mode of communication they have possible. Those kiddos can be a little bit tougher to move into using words because talk about efficiency. These kids are able to be very specific. They're able to show you whether they like things or they don't. They might even be able to act out whole scenes of things, but there's just that uh, hesitation in using a word. That might indicate something else that I'm going to talk about a little bit later in this episode, but um, it, it really, it, it's all about showing kids that there's a worth behind trying to do a little more than what they already are when they're communicating with you. Number seven. Oh, this seems to be a problem that's happening a lot these days. We have a lot of noisy toys, lots of toys that maybe 20 years ago wouldn't have had lights and switches and batteries and sounds on them. Um, there, there are a couple of, um, of cars in particular that I am not a huge fan of that basically tell you what they are. I, I, I don't really feel like a car needs to tell me it's a car. We don't need to have a song about, about how I'm a car and I ride along the road. You can actually show a child how to do that. They don't need music and, and lights for that. In fact, I think I think it can be kind of tricky because we have gotten to the point where most of the things we interact with are very high stimulation toys. Uh, and what that does is it distracts from children being more interactive and making their own sounds when they play. And I would love for kids to be able to have a more quiet background and a quieter play environment so that they're the ones who get to be the ones who make the sounds or say the names of the things rather than just being passive listeners, because there's a lot of that in the toys that we deal with these days. So my thought would be is if you have a lot of those noisy cause and effect toys that light up and you have to push the buttons and they play all these different kinds of sounds, try to either limit those or have you know a break during the day where you don't necessarily have all of the toys out there that have lights and sounds and see what, what your child does. If you give them blocks that don't have anything special on them, maybe just a set of wooden blocks or a car that doesn't have any sort of special effects, it's just a car. Um, see, see how that goes for your child. See if they enjoy playing and play with them. Get down on the floor and, and try out making different sounds and talking about how that child is, is going to drive the car up or down or something like that. Number eight, your child might be having what we call a motor planning issue. And that's where their brain is having a hard time to telling their mouth muscles how to make the sounds that they want to make. Now, this could be two different things when you're working with a little, little child. Sometimes kids 
know without knowing that they're having a hard time talking. And so they may understand a lot of language, but even before they really try, they know that it's difficult for them to try to make sounds. And so you may see some resistance in those children because they're already anticipating that it is going to be difficult for them to make a sound or a word when you're directly asking them to do that. Um, also, number nine, it could be that your child is having difficulty understanding the directions, requests, and um, activities that you're trying to involve them with. Now, this would be um, a more involved type of language delay than just a child who's not talking. This may be a child who's also having a hard time showing you what they understand. You may know that you've been teaching them body parts for six months, eight months, pointing to the body parts. This is your head. These are your eyes. But they don't seem to point to those body parts when you ask them to. Or you've been telling them to put their cup in the sink or go get their shoes. And they just have a hard time following through with those directions, even if they're motivating. If children are having problems with their understanding of language, that's a little bit more of a complicated type of language delay to deal with. And that might be a great one to go check out and get some testing through a speech therapist to see if there is a documentable language delay that might need some speech therapy. And number 10. So this is when we get into social or pragmatic language issues. Uh, this, this would be also another one that you might want to go directly to a speech therapist for some testing to see if the child has a language delay that might need speech therapy for. And that would be a child who maybe doesn't make a whole lot of eye contact with you, um, doesn't seek you out for things um, unless they just need, have a need they want. You know, they, they're not trying to show you a toy so that you can share the experience with them or um, they're not making eye contact with you and making a sound when they want something. Um, that having a social language delay uh, can be difficult to help build expressive language onto because you're missing the component of the imitation, which is a social skill that kids have to learn. So um, that, that would be definitely something to go to a speech therapist and consider testing and possible therapy. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would help me greatly if you would subscribe or leave a five-star review. For additional content, including YouTube videos, articles, handouts, and help catered specifically to your child's needs, please visit playteachtalk.com.